I do want to speak to you about the church. This is going to be an ongoing situation that I'm going to continue to speak about until we realize who the church is, what the purpose of the church is, and how unconquerable the church is. The church is not an organization of a bunch of overzealous people who gather in a room on a Saturday or Sunday just to be explosive in our emotions and to step on people's feet and scream in people's ears. That That's not the church. The church is not some kind of crutch that weak people use in order to escape from reality. The church is not just an entity that's a fraternity or sorority, a country club, a social club. The church is just not built on membership as and enrollment, but it is membership as we view a body, a human body. It is membership from the root word membrane, which which it is a part and parcel of the fabric of the body of Christ. When you are a member of the church, it means that you are a part of the membrane of the church, that you are part of the tissue of the church, that you are part of the living, breathing organism known as the church. You don't join the church by walking up and shaking a man's hand. You don't join the church by filling out a form. You are a part of the church. You are born into the church. You are born into the the church not by human birth, but by your alliance and allegiance to Jesus Christ. The church is not a four-wall structure. The church is not a bunch of beams and pillars and wood and stone and brick and mortar. The church is not something that can be seen on a street corner occupying a lot or an acre. That's not the church. Now, that's what we've called the church uh, for a long time, but the old folk down south had a different view, and it, and it was a correct view, and I've said this before. The old folk called the building the church house. Has anybody heard your grandmother or your grandfather say, I'm going down to the church house? Raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. And see, we lost that somewhere along the line, and we, and we began to figure the church and make it into some kind of fraternity or organization. The church is not an organization. It is organized, but it is not an organization. It is an organism. It is an organism, meaning that it is living, it has life, there's power to it, there's a reason for its existence. The church is not politically run, it is not based on people's votes or opinions, because should the church be run by man's opinions, there will be so many diverse opinions that will be a chaotic, confused mess. But the church only has one head, and the head of the church is not the pastor. The head of the church is not the man behind the pulpit. The head of the church, the head of the body, which is the church, is God. And he is the only authority. Any authority given is second hand. And it can never be anything other than his authority. Any word that has been spoken has to be only what he has said. For no pastor, bishop, priest, prophet, prophetess has a right or the ability to declare something other than this word has said. We are not influenced to wrongdoing. We are not influenced by the charisma of a man or woman. We are not influenced by the charm or the didactic ability to pontificate and orate. We are not impressed by presentation. For if the presentation does not bear the weight of the word, it is nothing but a show and an act. But there's a defining factor that makes this real. It is the word of God. The church comes out only to be impacted by the word. 
And I know that I'm a pastor, but I'm not the head honcho here. I'm only the servant of the Lord to serve God's people. It's not about me. It's about him, for he is the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. There is no other authority other than the authority of Jesus Christ. We need to know that. We need to make that clear. We do not worship man, nor do we give undue credence to the vessel. For the vessel is just a messenger. We pay too much attention to the messenger instead of the author. Authority comes from the author. Authority is when the author gives you the right and the privilege to do what he has authored. Authority comes from the author writing. An author writes. And as, and as the author writes and passes it down to the servant, the servant is then authorized to do what the author has said. So all authority comes from God, for he is the author of our faith. Hallelujah. So, if the church is not the four walls, and if the church is not the brick and the mortar and the pews and the pulpit, then what is the church? What is the church? If the church is not the steeple building that has been erected, uh, uh, what is the church? If the church is not a part of the organization and denomination, what is the church? Well, we've got to go back to the true definition of church. In the New Testament, the word uses ecclesia, and the word ecclesia is the thing that defines the church. The word ecclesia means to called out, those who have been called out of their homes and their houses and come together in fellowship in a communal worship. It is when people leave home behind for a moment and walk into the authority of the call of God. God's called us out of sin. God's called us out of our own filth. God's called us out of our own minds. God's called us out of our own way of doing things, and he's given us a more perfect way. He's called us out to develop strength with one another. He's called us out to be our brother's keeper. He's called us out so we can learn to be able to love purely, love truly. You're called out of hatred to learn love. You're called out of skepticism to learn trust. You're called out to be able to link arms with your fellow brother and sister who's on the same journey that you're on. Look at somebody next to you and say, we're on the same journey. We are on the same journey. Yeah, we're at different points of our journey, but it's the same journey. What is the journey? The church's journey is to learn how to become more like Christ. We've got to become more like Christ for we, for, for we were only called out to be called in. We're not called out to be somebody above and special. We're not called out to be somebody who's pomped and snooty and conceited with our nose held high claiming that we're Christians. For indeed, Christianity has no kind of superiority, no pride. Christianity has a humble approach. Christianity makes us go down low, 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 low. There's no big eyes or little use in Christianity. For the more like Christ we become, the more humble we become. The more like Christ we become, the more loving we become. The more caring for someone else we become for the Bible teaches us the, for the Bible teaches us the prerequisites of the church and the Bible teaches us the principles of the church those who are called out have no longer the luxury of their own emotions those who are called out have been given another run another beat to a different drum those who are called out don't have the privilege to have your choice for you are called out the Bible says you are not your own you have been bought when you're a Christian, you are bought with the price of the blood of Jesus Christ. And he wants us to become more like him if we're going to be the church. If we're going to be the church, we have, we have got to take the right posture. The posture of the church is not a protest. The posture of a church is not a march on the authorities. The posture of the church is to sit back and watch God be God and follow him as he leads us and, and reach out to the lost and tell them about the love that saved us, that can save them. The power of the church is not in its aggression. 
The power of the church is in its compassion. It's in its ability to love. For there's no need for the church to fight. We don't have to fight for our position. We don't have to fight for our rights. Because on this earth, the church doesn't have any rights. We are in the world, but not of the world. So we're not trying to fight with politics and march on, on, on Washington to get rights as a Christian body of believers because the government, the president, they can't give us our rights. Because the, because the rights of the church don't come from Washington. The rights of the church don't come from Parliament. The rights of the church don't come from any prime minister or anyone who's a national authority. The rights of the church come from Jesus and Jesus alone. Hallelujah. The Bible says in the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 18, when, when Jesus, and I'm paraphrasing here, when Jesus pulls his disciples to the side and, and, and he asks them the question. He asks them the question. And, 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 and the question was this. Hey, fellas, you two have been walking with me for a while. I've got a question for you guys. You've been with me for these years. We've been seeing some great things happen. I've called you out of your old, old places. You are called out. Philip called all you guys from where you were. Peter, James, John called you off the boat. Called some of you from your careers. You're called out. You walk with me. You know me. But my question to you is, you've been in the city. You've been around. You heard people talking about us. And my question to you is this. In all of the talk, who are they saying that I, the son of man, am? And 11 of the 12 disciples get to talking. Jesus, you know they saying, they be saying that you is uh. John the Baptist come back from the dead. Next one said, nah, 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 dude. I heard somebody say that you be Jeremiah, that you was a prophet that has come. And another disciple said, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Someone said you was Elijah. And you got all these different opinions. That's why the church is not based on the opinion of man. You got all these 12 different opinions from the 12 who are walking with them, who should have known them, because how are you going to find somebody you don't know? Oh, I seen you on television, and I think, I'm going to go join that church. How you found someone you don't know? That's why the church is so messed up now, because we, we're busy following man. Because if the church is following God, when man messes up, the church keep on going. When man messes up, the church don't pick up its backs and say, I'm going to somebody else, because the man didn't call you. Because the man didn't call you. Who calls you to be a part of the church? So, so, so who do they say that I, the son of man, am? Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah. You're one of the prophets. Some say you're John the Baptist, raised from the dead. He goes and says, he goes and says man, that's interesting. But let me ask you. I called you out. I called you out. You're the ecclesia. So who do you say that I, the son of man, am? And 11 voices go quiet. Nobody answers. And one man, I can imagine, shaking. Because if he answers this question like he heard, the answer is considered blasphemy. For me to declare that you, the son of a carpenter and his girlfriend, for me to say, for me to say this, the religious community would kill me because they would say it's blasphemy and they would stone me. But I didn't hear it from them. I'm missing y'all. But I didn't hear it from them. And they can't qualify you, so they can't disqualify you. I heard from God that you are not just the son of man, but you are who we've been looking for. You are the Christ. If the religious community hear me say that, I'm done. But I don't live by religion. I live by my relationship. And I'm relating to you. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus, hold on, boy. <laughs> 
Flesh and blood doesn't know this. Flesh and blood hasn't learned this. There's nobody on this earth that knows this. The only one who can tell you this is my father. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my father which is in heaven. And because you've got this revelation, I'm changing who you are. When you get a revelation as to who God is, it changes your nature. It changes your nature into something that was divinely given even before you got here. He says, Simon, nobody can reveal this to you. And being that you talked to my daddy then, I got to really tell you who you are, son. Because your revelation is going to give you identification. And you are no longer the Simon, son of Jonah. Simon by Jonah, Simon, son of Jonah. But now I'm going to tell you who, who we call you in heaven. We've been talking about you. And we call you small stone. You are Petros. <coughs> small stone. Why the small stone? Because I am the stone. And if you got this revelation and you're like me, then you're the small stone. And upon this rock, this is the point. Upon this revelation, upon this rock, the revelation has nothing to do with Petros. has nothing to do with anything else. It has to do with the revelation. Upon this revelation, I will build my church. And if I build my church upon me, the gates of hell, the powers of hell, the assault of hell, the attempt of destruction by hell will not prevail against my church. Now, the question was, who is the church? It was not, what is the church? Who is the church? Well, you better identify, you better recognize. Well, if you're not going to say it, I'll say it. I am the church. I am the walking, living, breathing, called, and called out church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if he said the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church, he wasn't talking about wood and stone. He was talking about the body of Christ. So everything that Satan's demons and the enemy, thought, and the enemy throws at me will not prevail. That means nothing can happen to me except it passes through God because God is my author. God has written out the days of my life. God has numbered the days of my living. God knows my end from the beginning. God's not finding out about me. God knew me before I got here. Before the world was framed, he knew me. I was called and chosen in him before the foundation of the world and God understands my frame and my makeup. God understands my risings and my down shadows. God knows going out and my coming in. God, ha God has already predestined me Based on his fore, based on his foreknowledge, he's already said, "I am the winner. I'm the winner, man. I'm the winner, man. I am the winner, man. I am the head, and I'm not the tail. I am above, and I am not beneath. I'm always tri triumphant." See, some people listening to this right now are not feeling this because you don't think that about yourself. But if he said the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church, then you are unconquerable. If you are the church, then you are unconquerable, and you gotta look at yourself and admit. I'm still here. You got to look at yourself and finally for some of you, the first time in your life, say, look yourself in the mirror and say, I made it through because I am unconquerable. You can take my stuff and, and you can hurt my heart and you can trouble my life. But when the dust settles and the smoke clears, I'm still here. You can take my smiling and you can take my laughter, but you can't take my joy because I'm still here. You can look at the devil and tell him. You tried to touch my home and you tried to touch my mind and you tried to touch my body and you tried to touch my finances and you tried to touch my emotions and you tried to touch my family and you tried to touch my job and but I'm still here. Don't you hold your peace because if you hold your peace, God will raise up another church.
If you don't praise him for who he is and what he's done, God will raise up a rock to praise him. I'm still here because the powers of hell could not destroy me. The diagnosis wasn't the final say. The situation wasn't terminal and detrimental. The ordeal wasn't too great. It may have been deep, but it wasn't deep enough. Because no matter how deep the problem went, the promise of God went deeper still. And God said that the gates of hell cannot stop me. The powers of Satan cannot hold me. The powers of sin cannot condemn me. Because I am still here.